not doing a backup. Let's just run without. We'll see what happens. It's, it's a terrible idea, but it's too much effort. Too much effort. Too much effort. Welcome back, everybody, to Dance for What Dance. This is episode 279, I think. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. I'll find out when I'm numbering them tomorrow, I guess, or when I'm editing. Tim has gone to celebrate American Thanksgiving in America with COVID, with an extra heaping serving of COVID. Mm-hmm. Not that we're doing much better in Ontario right now, either way. So Paul has joined me this week. Hi, everyone. Got to get through this week's festivities festivities somehow. So Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, festivities, yeah, it's just like Black Friday game and electronic sales mostly, right? Is that what people do on Thanksgiving now? It's mostly just buy TVs and video games, right? Well, I've been seeing a lot of anti-Black Friday, uh, anti-consumerist stuff. Like, it's becoming more of a movement than it has in a long time. I think people are just kind of like not into it as much or would just rather do digital sales because why would you bother i remember at the height of early 2000s black mark black friday market madness people getting trampled to death and stuff and it's like black friday sales are online now so just in the age of covid and the age of steam sales mostly you know like, yeah why well, leave the house really i mean when steam the, when steam is so good to us every basically every quarter every really quarter, yeah. Yeah, so. and then some stuff in between, depending on the like. There's going to be the Christmas. Sale. Oh, there's always stuff. There's always stuff. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. you get Boxing Day, and like, I mean, right now everything's on sale, right? Like PSN, Xbox, or uh, whatever. Yeah, all that shit. But yeah, yeah, it'll be on sale until yeah, until after Boxing Day, until the new yeah. year, pretty much. So, time to snag those games you've been meaning to purchase if you have some free time, guys. Because oh, I did. I found. I got a whole bunch of more free time and I got a bunch of games to play. So yeah, there you go. I guess, I guess either way, we'll talk about that. Actually, this is my geek of the week is more talking about like what I picked up for my various toys. Uh, but let's do the nerdy news first. Did you see this? This It's just a dumb, all the stories are kind of just like dumb, not really important stories. There might be a couple <laughs> more important ones later, but uh, the first one's just like somebody uploaded the, broadcast version of birds of prey and harley quinn or whatever harley quinn and the birds of prey or whatever that movie's called now i don't know yeah uh uploaded the unset or the censored version like the broadcast version to hbo max and people were like where's my cussing Hmm." yeah violence and all that stuff well probably the violence made it pass but the 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 naughty language was not Yeah. yeah yeah i mean there's some extra violent moments you would, yeah, there's a couple like like pretty gory like moments that I think you would probably excise from a broadcast version, but like American broadcast standards are pretty nebulous these days, one way or the other. So who yeah. knows anymore? Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's funny. I just yeah. it's you know yeah, every once in a while it's nice to make sure that you have like copies of these movies on hard like in hard copy, or you know keep your toes in the high seas as it were. Mm. Mm-hmm. me mateys i guess is the best <laughs> way to put it yeah it's kind of nuts i think anyone who has pirated the original cut of star wars or whatever they're all every time this comes up like that's the fucking thing that comes up first is like yeah, yeah. of course we all have copies of this stuff backed up somewhere because like i can't watch this fucking version of star wars i grew up with without like having to go through back channels which yeah. is like you really think about it completely fucking insane 
Like that's yeah. not the movie we grew up watching. Like that they put out on streaming. It's like it, I mean, it, it's mostly there, but it's still like an edit. Yeah, you know, Han still Han and Greedo still getting a shootout. It's not like Han just shoots him in the fucking face like he did back in the day. You know, like yeah. Remember when he was just a prick and shot the asshole? Like yeah, I, I, do. I don't know. I Weird. do. Let me just say that this is more and more of a thing with like companies like Disney and Nintendo, where like the sanitization, the sanitation of the media is not optional anymore. It's not a, and it should be just like a toggle. Like I want to watch this version and yeah. let's wa- let me watch this version. Cause this is what I'm paying for. It's kind of like, why is there no hard mode on Pokemon? Like everyone's asking for it. It's just a toggle. You just got to hit a switch to make it harder. And they're just like, Nope, we're not going to do that because we want it to be family friendly. And they generally don't have hard modes on any of their games. Like what other games did they have that they have hard modes in? Well, the, the thing is like the games that are meant for general audiences are challenging enough, but Pokemon in particular has an adult audience that like where the game is way too easy for them. Because yeah, well, it's, it's baby's first fucking RPG and you guys are in your fucking 40s or whatever or 30s, I guess, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah I understand. I mean, I understand like what you're coming from. Like Mario is not as challenging as it used to be. Like, I get it. You know, yeah, that's why they do like new Super Mario Brothers U because they build those around like challenging guys like me, not yeah. for kids. They're built to like challenge actual Mario players who have been playing for 30 years or whatever. Speedrunners and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I'm like, I, I guess that makes sense. You would want like, just how do you fucking? They already parse out Pokemon into like two individual games. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like every generation. So what do you do? Like at a, at a, in a red blue split, do you make red hard and blue family friendly? You Is just that what have, you guys want? No, or do you want a, a talk? You want like you want a hard toggle. mode, just like yeah, oh, okay, straight up hard mode. I can't remember like, the last time I saw a Nintendo game that actually had hard mode on it that wasn't like an optional secondary quest, like in Zelda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does, does Metroid do hard like modes like difficulty? Well, Metroid is by definition more difficult than the other games because it's well. I mean, like Dread kicked my fucking teeth down my goddamn throat for the first week I was playing it because it was way more challenging than I was expecting it to be. That is like Pokemon has the the capability of doing this, and the, all I'm saying is that like how the, did it tangent the Pokemon already? Actually, I just how did this happen? We've been here for seven minutes and we've already tangented into Pokemon, Paul. I've been I've tried to make a point about how big cor- family friendly corporations don't give us the option to choose the like more adult version. They're just trying. To- Sega did in the nineties. They gave you a code, and that was yeah. the choice you made. Do you want yeah. to play Mortal Kombat with gore or not? Yeah. I still wish the SNES one had that code too, but what are you going to do? No, we have to beat the gray sludge out of each other. The sweat, I guess it was supposed to be sweat. I think we all just bought Mega Drives at that. I mean, Genesis is at that point, so we could play Mortal Kombat, but I mean, yeah, whatever. Or just wait till two came out because that was totally fine on SNES yeah. also. And so Nintendo's bottom line gets affected, and then they're like, ah, put the blood in. I mean, I, I think it's funny you say that too because, like, I think they don't censor like the content anymore, right? Like you can play mm-hmm. Doom on Switch, like mm-hmm. which kind of baffles me a little. Actually, the GTA trilogy just came out on the Nintendo systems for the first time. You know what I mean? And, like yeah, the original yeah. trilogy, because they yeah. never came out on any of those things. They just came out for Nintendo Deck for the first time because they're on Switch now. Probably it's the worst version you could ever get of a GTA game or those GTA games. Yeah. But I mean, they're that's the first time they were ever released for Nintendo system. 
which is mm-hmm. not nothing, I guess. I guess so. I mean, for some people, it's less than nothing considering the reviews I've seen. Of the- oh man, the they are even like me, who is like a pretty like I'm a pretty die in the wool like Rockstar GTA fan. Uh, like I have, all, I beat all those games on the original like on PS2 and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. and like. I don't want to play them in like a super bastardized version. So no, no, no. Um, let's keep, let's, let's actually do the news here. Uh, yeah. Dune. See, this, it's so lightweight. That's why I barely care. Dune is returning to IMAX. Apparently uh, Eternals kicked Dune out of IMAX early. Mm-hmm. So if you were hoping to get a chance to see Dune in IMAX, it'll be returning in December I mean... for the holidays okay <laughs> if you want to I, yeah this is you and this <laughs> is like for you and i this is the the wrong we're not the target audience for this no uh, no we we both i i was in your camp for yeah. dune it was overstuffed boring and i don't know a lot of other things that were not some writing problems also but uh, uh, that's... Writing, yeah and some performance problems too There's oh yes jason oh, Momoa. Yes. yeah yeah a little uneven a little uneven a little uneven. There are two things, I guess, kind of uh, from the Disney camp, basically. One, there's a story on Variety, I think, that everybody should go take a look at and like data showing how crucial those Marvel properties have become to Disney Plus's bottom line. And like the the number of people who are basically only subscribed to Disney Plus because of Star Wars and Marvel or <laughs> and or kind of thing is like way above 60% of their subscriber base is just there for fucking spider-man or i mean i guess not really spider-man because they don't have those movies on the surface right now but like iron man i guess we'll say iron man we're all just there for marvel i guess mm-hmm. fair enough and the mandalorian yeah i mean yeah obviously we're there for star wars also which is not i mean like disney has that advantage like that's the advantage that disney has getting us all tied into a streaming service is they get to kind of pull they get to pull the fucking marvel gun on you and be yeah. like hey like you can just go watch netflix but uh you know those Marvel movies everybody everybody likes so much. There's TV shows with those characters, and you can you have, you have stream it over here on our thing. Yeah. Well, there you go. Disney Plus just launched in Korea, and so it's been very strange because you know, like the a lot of the marketing for these uh, Marvel series has been delayed. So I'm walking through the subway station. And there's Loki advertisements and WandaVision advertisements. So they've released them all at the same time. So you've got WandaVision, Loki, uh, like, yeah, Cap and Hawkeye as well now. Like all four shows just get dumped all at once. So people are like, yeah, people are like kind of, but that's a nice binge for our Korean nerd friends, I guess, because yeah, those shows were fucking dope. So and yeah. Marvel's big over there, right? Is, are they doing yeah. well? Marvel is very, very big in Korea. So like all the kids, like well, yes, you had the Thanos kid. I remember you telling. Yeah, me I had the Thanos, Thanos kid. kid this year. I had a Captain America. Nice. I mean, Halloween this year here was just fucking like it was oh, the my. Avengers. Like it yeah. was like Marvel HQ here. It was. I was dying. I think I saw one Batman. Like that's it. One Batman. I saw like twenty eight Spider Men. And not just like Peter Spider-Man's. I saw like some Miles's. I saw some girls dressed up as Spider-Gwen. I'm like, mm-hmm. Spidey-Man. Sp- Spidey-Man. Spider-Man's Spidey fucking... Man. Spider-Man's fucking massively popular again. I didn't... I had a, I had a I, Spider-Man too, actually. Yeah. Two of my... Yeah, and they're two of my lower level English kids too. They're not watching these movies 
in Korean. They're watching them with Korean subtitles in English. Yeah. Like they're so they're so enamored with the the visuals of them. I don't think they understand the storyline. I mean, like they they certainly have watched the dub of Into the Spider Verse and oh, various yeah. other properties, but like they I don't like the Avengers movies proper. I don't think they've seen them yet. They're only eight years old. I mean, they could have. I mean, we we watched them. We would have watched them. We would have watched them. We would have watched them. We were talking about that, actually. I uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think the Marvel movies are particularly, like, like the Avengers in particular is, like, offensive to kids. But I, I don't know. I don't have kids, and I'm 40. So, like, mm. I don't yeah. know. Might be a little out of touch on that one. Probably, yeah. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, Hawkeye was, like, the that was on my docket for this week is that Hawkeye premiered also this week. Uh, did you Have you watched any of it yet? Not yet. I am no. saving that for sometime this week. I mean, I'm going on a vacation soon because oh, yeah. Christmas break for Korea is a month. So I get a month off and I'm going to save Hawkeye for some random day where I don't feel like getting out of the house at all. So. I watched the first two episodes and it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I like Jeremy Renner playing like uh, over it kind of Hawkeye so it was pretty yeah. good times what else is here there is a trailer also you know what we'll stay on the Disney side of things for a, a couple more beats mm-hmm. here so the the Star Wars spinoff Rangers of a the New Republic mm-hmm. spinoff Rangers of the New Republic apparently didn't really exist and now that Gina Carano is no longer working for Disney doesn't exist at all as like is dead dead and it's probably never coming out so mm. if you're looking for that show don't i guess i think we talked about this apparently lucy lawless was up for a role on that show which we have been robbed of lucy lawless in star wars because of this nonsense which is horseshit because i love lucy lawless but let's reunite starbuck and what was she she was three right I think she was three. Yeah, it's been so long since I watched Galactica. You know, yeah. it's been a long time. That is a show I've, we've talked about rewatching it or like doing like Patreon content where we rewatch Galactica because this yeah. is a show like I've thought about rewatching at some point because I, I love. Yeah, yeah, that's part of my geek of the week actually. Because um, although interestingly, like this is kind of a Christie news story, there is a Mass Effect TV show coming out. Which like the the world of Mass Effect? I mean, it's a very Star Trekky kind of world, but I think that could work for a TV show. Like, I, I, I would check out. I'll check out a TV show with that. Yeah, sure. This is where I fucking backslide into like the goddamn Mass Effect games, and I have to like eat crow with Christy. Although I've always said like they look like they would be interesting to me. I just like RPGs. Just not. Ugh, I did not like the way that played when I tried the first one. So ah uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of RPGs with like. You never like the Western ones though. Like you never like Western RPGs though. You're such a JRPG like bitch. I know it's true, but at the same time, like, because like, you played Witcher or like Elder Scroll or Elder Scrolls or anything like that. I have played. I played. Mind. I played Skyrim. I played Skyrim. Okay. That is, that's a good one. Skyrim. Even I've tried Skyrim. Yeah, it's good. I'm not yeah. saying they're bad. I just like I. I well, don't you play Kotor love... too, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, it barely counts. Star Wars doesn't fucking count. Like, yeah. like we always forgive Star Wars if the the game's good. So yeah, whatever. First person like fantasy or sci fi RPG stuff like Fallout and Mass Effect. I don't love it because I feel very. I don't know. Like, I prefer having a storyline where I'm not the main protagonist. Like, it's not like an unnamed protagonist that you're playing as. Like, even with Legend of Zelda, Link is Link. 
Like you're yeah. technically Link, but like Link is very much Link. He has a very particular aesthetic and way of behaving and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, the the blank slate kind of characters, I find they're they're not very well done, except weirdly in Final Fantasy fourteen, which I would argue is very Western styled in a lot of ways, but has I guess. That's pretty true. Like, I don't really like the, the games where like you you just are given a cipher to go play as. I guess. Yeah. Like I like it better when like even the GTA games. Like the first one, GTA three, you don't have like Claude doesn't have any kind of like he doesn't have a voice himself. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, it's not a game that I would go replay. Whereas like even the second one, they have it's what's his name? It's like famous like uh, Vice City voice because he's a famous mobster voice. Um, Ray Liotta. Mm. Oh, Ray Liotta. Yeah. Right. So they have really old, and all of a sudden, like that character, you're like, "Oh, I like Vice City better." Like out of those ones, because you remember the character that Ray Liotta. Well, it's mostly just Ray Liotta swearing, but yeah. like it's Grand Theft Auto. So what the fuck more do you want from it? Right, and it's the same reason why, like, when it comes to horror games, I really like story-driven stuff like Resident Evil and yeah. Silent Hill because the the character oh, that you're playing as is quintessential. I love Silent this Hill. Makes me sad. You're never gonna get a good Silent Hill game ever no, again. Ever again. But you know, no. it is what it is. And control. Look at like something like control. Yeah, like the, control. the main character of control is quintessential. Like you still play as her. Yeah. And you are but like she has her own distinctive self. Yeah. And that prefer that to like the blank slate kind of stuff. So. Even like Samus, like you kinda of have like she's got more character, I guess. Like yeah. when you get into the games than like link does exactly either way well it depends it depends on which one i'm curious about like how this mass effect stuff will work on tv shows yeah so. yeah i think it could it, it has potential but we shall see i don't know sci-fi is big right now man that uh that has the isaac asimov show on apple is like got a ton of buzz the expanse mm-hmm. is coming back for season six that's always got uh, tons of buzz behind it sure yeah I mean, we're in the middle of like Star Trek seasons right now. Discovery is happening for better, for worse. Couldn't get me to watch that with a gun to my head, but it's it's, it's been a challenge for me too. And I am Star <laughs> Trek guy. So there yeah. you go. Uh, last story I had, did you watch the trailer for a league of DC super pets? No, I did not. But what Can you watch the trailer for a league of DC super pets? It is basically a rock Kevin Hart joint, but it starts starting the rock as crypto. Okay, and I'm like, it looks not, it looks okay. Like, okay, it looks like a kids I'm, movie. Is that Clark? I want to watch The Rock. I always, I just want The Rock to be Superman. I think is that weird? Like, I know he's playing Black Adam, but I think I just want like positive, like uplifting. You know, like goofy good guy Rock. Yeah. I think he'd be the best Superman, like a cartoon show Superman. I think he'd be so good. Yeah, I don't know. They got John Krasinski doing Superman's voice in this, and like Rock's playing crypto. But right. it is. It's. I'm gonna watch the trailer right now. Sure. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. All right, we got Superman snoring. Yeah, oh. Supes is snoring. He's out cold. Rocky, Rocky the dog is trying to wake him up because he wants to go for a walk or do something. Yeah. It's excellent. And like Rocky, like I just love the Rock's voice. He's such a good voice actor on top of everything else. Yeah, he is. Is there, is there anything he can't do? The son of a bitch. Well, sing on key. We all heard Moana, so. Well, I mean, <laughs> I always feel like that stylistic suck on the Rock's part. Like he's choosing to suck. I feel like he could do it if he wanted to. He's the great one. Oh, sure. My love of him is unwieldy, I guess. Yeah. Oh. I was kind of hoping when I saw the initial pitch for this movie that it was going to be more like all the superheroes get like pets and they get together for like a pet justice league to save their masters that are like, you know, like (laughs) 
how Jordan's got like a very, very uppity, I don't know, German shepherd. Yeah. And like Diana has a cat that's of just like really, 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 really pompous. You know what I mean? Like very, very arrogant. And I don't know. What would you give the Flash? I guess the Flash has like a bunny. Like his, he's got yeah, a, pet, a rabbit. Yeah, like, definitely has a rabbit for sure. Yeah. So Mark Shermanander has a turtle, like a pet turtle, right? So they can like get into little like bitch. Or bitch chameleon. Rabbit. Because could be chameleon. chameleon's good. Chameleon's good. See, there you go. And then Batman's got Ace. We already have Batman has Ace. Lots of dogs. Too many dogs. We need more. Yeah. But this is just like random. Like Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart dog gets superpowers, and I was like, oh, I thought he was going to be Ace. I could live with Kevin Hart being Ace, the Bat Hound. The turtle has super speed. I don't know. Yeah, okay. it was a little hackney, but I mean, like the rocks in it. It looks like, fun. I would say it that. It does kind of give me. Is it Illumination Studios who's doing this? No, it's I Warner so. Brothers. Well, no, it's Warner, Warner Animation. Warner Animation, but, like, but is, is it? I think it's through DreamWorks or something. Uh, yeah, I didn't look. I didn't look super close. I just saw Rocky, and I it was like, "Oh, that's Warner, cool." Warner Brothers Animation, which could be potentially good. Warner Brothers Animation used to be the shit. Used yeah, to be. absolutely. So yeah, I, I think it looks fun. It looks like something I would definitely stream some Sunday afternoon. Oh, I, that's the thing. Like, I, I would, I would, I'm not going to go see it, but like, I'll absolutely watch it on HBO Max when it comes out or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Crave up here. <clears throat> so I'm like, yeah, yeah that's it. Uh, that was it for the news for me this week. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up before mm. we move along? No, I yeah, I haven't really had my ear to the ground on much lately. I mean, like. That's I fair. think it's it's slow news just because well it's Thanksgiving week too so it's usually like a kind of a quiet news week anyway like we say that I think we do this every year we're like I think you and I do Thanksgiving American Thanksgiving episode every year because Tim yeah. talks off on a trip and you and I end up doing the episode regardless of whether you're like the full time host or not or like a full time host or not I just end up having to pull you in because Tim fucks off and it's like well now Paul what are you doing let's watch a weird anime uh-huh. which to be fair. We really fucking did this time. So, oh yes, we did. Let's do geek of the week, and then we can move on uh, to the uh, meat of the episode. Geek of the week. So this is the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week. Uh, we'll start with Paul. Paul, I don't know what's the nerdiest thing you did this week. So, oh my god, there are so many things. I don't know. If I know me too. This. I got so much shit. So, I I think I mentioned before that Jihoon and I have been watching Hallmark Christmas movies. Just because they're terrible. No, well, maybe you have to me privately, but I don't know if you yeah. have on the podcast. But either right. way, that's a horrible, horrible way to spend time with a loved one. Isn't I it? mean, it's a it, the movies are an hour and twenty five minutes. They give me an opportunity to be like vile and insulting the entire time, and Jihoon enjoys it. So, do you guys watch these and just like stat there and Waldorf Wal- them? Yeah, it, th- yeah, okay. we sat there and Waldorf with them the entire time, and it is very—it's a good way to pass ninety minutes, to be honest. However, there was a one recently where the cast was very relevant to the the content of this podcast because it was starring none other than Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica and Locke oh. from Lost, so <laughs> as her father, so. You know, it was well. Okay, I mean, yeah, he was in Lost, but like he was also in like Millennium and the X Files and shit like that. Yeah. Like, well, like, Terry O'Quinn had been in multiple. He was also an, a, a corrupt admiral on Star Trek: The Next Generation, because every middle-aged actor who was working in the nineties ended up on Star Trek: The Next Generation as a corrupt admiral. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So Katie Sackoff and uh, Terry O'Quinn starred in the movie called 
a Christmas sale, S A I L, because it's all about their a boat. It, they're on a boat. There is a boat involved, and it's oh, about their no. dead mom. There's a dead mom, and they they have tension at Christmas because of the dead mom. And she's a high-powered businesswoman who's trying to find time in her busy schedule to find love at Christmas time. And I was like, like you Katie? do, yeah. Well, and why is Katie Sackhoff here? Like both her and Terry O'Quinn were given this some depth that the script did not call for at all but they did a very good job with what they were given like katie sackoff is just wonderful to watch i just really like the last time i watched an episode of the flash she's been playing like a recurring villain on there and she is so over the fucking top just like batman 66 villaining it that i'm kind of all there i mean like i love katie sackoff also right you know what i mean like come on i watch fucking battlestar even when she's playing flaccid hallmark christmas heroine with a sad past she's still very watchable and like terry o'quinn was like giving it his all as like the disgruntled grandfather who was like i'm not doing christmas but my granddaughter wants to do christmas and i'm feeling so oh, oh, oh christmas and it was 90 minutes that i feel like i could have riffed on it harder but i was actually paying attention to the plot this time because of katie sackoff yeah yeah so yeah, there she's you go a treasure she really is a treasure yeah thank god she's still nice. getting work and she's getting big disney work as bo katan so you know yeah it's true she's on uh she'll be back on the yeah. soon enough i'm sure well i mean like boba fett too she might be on boba fett yeah That's she'll probably on Bo be on boba fett for sure which is like there's there's been like 15 trailers for that this week which is another i guess kind of a news story that we didn't yeah. talk about but we've already talked about trailers from boba fett yeah my geek of the week this week is just like steam sales man i've been playing video games buying mm-hmm. video games basically across the fucking board the, and in particular there's one i've had this thing i have not i bought and never beat red dead redemption 2 mm-hmm. on like this past generation and i like i fucking love did you ever play the first red dead I don't think so. Oh no! Oh man! Like I don't. I know you're not. You're pretty shaky on the GTA games for the most part. But like Red Dead, like Red Dead's just like it's like Chef's Kiss. I don't know why. I I played those top down GTA. No, no, we played the old ones. The old ones, and I played. I tried GTA three, and it usually just ended up gunning people down and not actually doing the story mode. That is that, yeah, too. I, I get into the story mode of the GTA. Like, I ended up, like, I was going to start playing Red Dead, and I've been spending more time playing GTA the last mm. couple of days, because I just kind of get lost in, the, like, the city, like, the urban, like, destruction landscape of GTA. It's like, you do some missions, and then it's like, well, you know what? I'm bored, and there's a whole bunch of people that I just would like to watch explode. Yeah. So let's go do that for half an hour, and then I'll get back to work. I think the problem with the GTA games is that I came into them around the time where I was really disenchanted with crime drama in general and like especially from the criminals perspective like there were so many mafia movies coming out and what was that well it was right around sopranos right like when the the first when gta 3 came out like we were at the height of the sopranos so like i was in the middle of this shit i was so happy like this is my shit i was all on board for all this stuff so yeah it was uh yeah the whole it's what do i something that always comes into my head is johnny depp films like donnie brasco and oh okay uh, donnie brasco yeah i guess there's that one the one where he plays john dillinger i can't remember what the fuck i want to call say gay is that gangster movie or something like that yeah like, what the fuck was that? Are, are not are have never been my cup of tea and so yeah, like, you don't like any of that shit 
playing a gangster, like I, I try have tried to appreciate them because I know that like, yeah, I guess it's like compulsory heteronormativity for being a dude. Yeah. You're supposed to like, I, I felt like I needed to like, at least try to like those movies because like I needed to pass or whatever, but like that's long gone now. So I haven't, I don't pick, I don't pick up crime stuff unless Daredevil's in it. So. I mean, you know, I actually think I I actually think you would like the Red Dead games probably more than the GTA games. Although you're not really a Western I, guy either. Ooh, you like, I don't know. You like a good Western. I like a good the Western. First, the first Red Dead. I shit you not, Paul. Maybe the best fucking Western that I've watched that is not called Deadwood. Mm, or played yeah, I was about to say mean? it's like. It, but it, it feels like Deadwood to me. Like the the writing felt like Deadwood to me. Yeah. Like it's very authentic feeling. The first Red Dead. So like Red Dead Two has been like. I bought it for Xbox One X and like the problem is that I get vertigo or like motion sickness from lilting frame rates. So when frame oh, rates like are uneven, I get motion sickness. So like the last two gens have not been like like PS3 was bad. This past gen ha- was better. These current machines were we're finally getting to the point where I can like muscle through a lot of older stuff above t- like above 60 and force it to lock there kind of thing like on my rig and stuff so now i'm like oh i can buy and play red dead redemption 2 at very very high fidelity lock it to 60 frames per second and like actually play through it without getting fucking sick every time i get on the goddamn horse so that was my number one like i need to get this for black friday kind of grab last or this week was like i need to get a steam copy a Red, Red Dead Redemption 2 and try and pay less than $30 for it, which I did. So now I've been, so then I started playing it and then I noticed that like I haven't booted up GTA 5 since I put my new graphics card in here. And I was like, I wonder how, like, I just wonder how crazy this is going to look with 4K screens and like a 3090. Yeah. And it, uh, it looks fucking bonkers and it locks to 60 also, like a V6 oh, to 60. Very nice. So I'm like, oh, it's real nice and steady too. Like it's very playable again. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll run through the story of this. I'm just like, I bought a bunch of games and I'm playing GTA 5 again. I have Red Dead Redemption 2 on deck. So I bought a bunch of games that are not going to get played till the new year because I've got like 300 hours worth of Rockstar gaming that I'm probably mm. not going to do. So that's all I'm going to be talking about for the next like three weeks is my geek of the week. So what are you doing? I just beat GTA and I've now moved on to Red Dead. Yeah. I'm in the first half of Red Dead. Oh, yeah. it's dire and it's winter time and yeah. the horse died. A horse died. Well, so I've got Endwalker launching on Friday, so I'm in the Ooh, same boat. I've got yeah. a whole new expansion to play for Final Fantasy fourteen, so I'm going to be stuck in that for a yeah. really long time. I'm yeah. excited. I'm actually like every once in a while, I like getting into something like a, like I like a big sit, uh, mm-hmm. and I feel like I feel a big sit coming on in terms of like a big game, like like a Breath of the Wild, or uh, mm-hmm. like I'm going to play through all the Batman games, or something that's going to take like. Uh, like a lot like a week kind of thing where i just yeah. basically sit down and pour myself into it and i think red dead when i get to red dead 2 it's going to be that because like that first one i lost like holy shit i lost like a week and a half to that first game it's so mm-hmm. good like it's just so good and now yeah i'm fiddling with gta 5 because it looks really pretty on my new machine but mm-hmm. i'll get back to red dead eventually but i also i got some stuff for i got resident evil village finally mm-hmm. for xbox so i can finish that up i got i bought demon souls and returnal for ps5 so I can actually give those proper like playthroughs and stuff. That carrying game that I was talking to you about yesterday, mm-hmm. guys. If you ever wanted to be the thing, and a video game is not giving you the opportunity to do that, Carrion, C A R R I O N. It's free on Game Pass right now, and it's super cheap on Steam, and you can get it on PS4. It lets you be 
the most disgusting, vile tentacle creature as you rifle around, like, basically Metroidvania-esque caverns and stuff like that, eating motherfuckers and being the thing, basically. It's disgusting, and it's also awesome. I yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah, he wasn't talking about Fantastic Four, the thing, because you yeah, know, no. play any Final Fantasy Four. Fantastic Four game, sorry. Play Final Fantasy Four though. That one's really good. Uh, <laughs> is Final Fantasy Four good? I don't. Is, uh, is. Has there? I can't even think. Has there ever been a Fantastic Four video game that wasn't like one of them showing up in somebody else's game? Has there been? Yeah, they had movie tie-ins. Of yeah, course. Was there, was there actually? I'm gonna. You know what? Before we move on to meat of the episode, I need mm-hmm. to know. Actually, there's a bunch of Fantastic Four video games, but there are two, and they're like playstation 2 era activision games oh. so let's the, the, let's not tie in ones aren't they let's not and say that we did yeah. uh as, as a matter of course just because nasty it's meat of the episode time meat of the episode animated twin peaks episodes mm. going on here pink dog meat i guess yeah, yeah. thanks for that by the way bt dubs <laughs> I always like when I'm we're, we're watching a uh, a new piece of media and a dog dies and that's central to the fucking <laughs> theme of the goddamn piece. That's yeah. always spoilers. Elevating the dog for dies. Me. The dog's been dead the whole time. Spoilers. Yeah. So because Paul's here, we we did a weird anime thing mm-hmm. and yeah. we watched an anime series called Paranoia Agent. And I'm going to let Paul talk about what Paranoia Agent is, and then I'm going to make Paul tell you what Paranoia Agent is about because. Okay. I don't even, I'm not even really sure what it's so, about. But what is Paranoia Agent, first of all? Like, who is responsible for this? Well, um, we have encountered this director before. The same director who directed Paprika, uh, Satoshi Kon, was the director. Um, he's sadly passed. I hope he's at peace, is basically what I <laughs> hope. Because he seems like he was a troubled individual mentally from these movies. You know what I mean? Or from these pieces? The- yeah, well, and that's the thing. It, he makes stuff that I'm like, oh, this is the kind of shit that I wish I could like make because this is mm. fucking dope and weird. But yeah, so I don't know what that says about everybody involved <laughs> right. here. <laughs> well, Satoshi Khan had a bunch of ideas left over, and I guess he must have found a thread to connect them, and I think he did because he turned it into a 13 episode series. Now. 13 episode anime series tend to be, can tend to be very experimental and off the cuff and like not your typical 300 plus episode boys martial arts anime or magical girl series or anything like that or your Doraemons that have run for 55 billion years. So the 13 episode series can be very unique, groundbreaking and influential or tend to end up in the cult classic area and that's where we have landed here with paranoia agent are there others you could like cite like others like like short series that are famous that people might know the other one that i wanted to recommend for this episode was serial experiments lane which would be a classic from the 90s Oh man, there are so many. The original Mushishi, I think, was thirteen episodes, and they turned that into like a full, a like full thing. Series. Yeah, Violet Evergarden originally was also, and then they made it into a a movie as well. The Promised Neverland, The Devil Is a Part Timer. There's so many. 
Or Wasn't even Galleon like a limited series at first? Like, it was that... 26, 26 episodes, and it oh, okay, probably so. should have been thirteen because it ran over budget real fast. Fair enough. Okay, just remember like something big like Evangelion was like a limited series as well. Like that's what yeah. I was. Thinking. That's yeah, that's that's cool. So what is it about? Well, okay, for, for, first of all, the one of this air like who's in it and all that kind of stuff. Like let's uh, talk okay. about like what the background of it was first. So this aired originally in 2004 at the height of me watching like six or seven anime series weekly, like at a or time, probably at a time. Yeah. definitely my peak weeaboo phase. Yeah. <laughs> and this Paul figured out, what was it? Was it BitTorrent? Paul figured out BitTorrent and like all of a sudden. Oh, well, I was or because I was downloading episodes of Revolutionary Girl Utena off of Kazaa back in the day yeah, when we were we had a very Kazaa. limited internet and it got in big trouble from mom for downloading too much when we had capped internet. <sighs> oh boy, yeah, those were those the days. days. I don't miss yeah. those. Yeah, <laughs> unlimited gigabit is the way to go, you know. So yeah, so in terms of Satoshi Khan's career. This was one of his later things. Like he was pretty well established at this point. Um, he had already done his his big breakout was Perfect Blue, and before that was Memories, where he directed. It's an anthology film where he directed Magnetic Rose, one of three films, three small shorter films within the film, and Millennium Actress and Tokyo Godfathers had both garnered a lot of critical acclaim, and so he released paranoia agent as a series just before paprika okay i remember perfect blue specifically like coming yeah. out and being like a big deal so yeah that was a big like crossover it was one of those anime films where it's like see look it's not just like it had a lot of sexual content in it and so it was yeah. kind of like but it's for adults it's not for kids this is like a grown-up film it just happens to be animated. And yeah, Perfect Blue was one of those movies that a lot of people recommended because it was, it was the film language was also very familiar because it was very Hitchcockian. Yeah. And very Lynchian, I guess, as well. So, yeah. Well, that's, I ran into, I mean, there is, there's always Hitchcock to his stuff, from what I can tell. But he does the surrealist stuff mm. that is very David Lynch. Like very David Lynch, and I'm always curious. Like, are the Japanese just really into David Lynch? Is that like a uh, thing over there? I would say that Satoshi Khan was, and probably yeah, as okay, a result, a lot of people were influenced by him. But I would say that there. I mean, this is the culture that where Rashomon is from. So multiple storylines coalescing is kind of a thing. The tolerance for serpentine storytelling is a little bit higher over there, also too, right? Like yeah. they they do tend to like longer form shit, like three hundred like episode animes and mangas that go on for fifteen hundred issues and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just a little cultural difference. Yeah, and like with increasingly overly complex plots that eventually you're just kind of like go numb to the the various plot threads i look at yeah, yeah, kingdom yeah. hearts but yeah, you know absolutely. it is what it is yeah so that's like the, the content when did this air before we get out, out into the plot when, when when did this come out 2004 okay it was so in like 2004 kind of a, it definitely it definitely has that feeling too actually now yeah. that i think about it like that's turn of the turn of the century or whatever turn of the millennium well yeah it was the the bush bush two yeah. era and very, this is, I think, when the the mass NSA stuff was coming out. Was that 
when it was happening. Oh yeah, I mean, like that's. Yeah. I mean, that's been going on for like our entire lives at this point. So yeah. that's. I mean, slowly but surely, we've we've come to see that the surveillance state that we live in is, you know, a lot yeah. worse than we ever thought it probably was. Yeah, at least pre two thousand, anyway. So yeah, but this was a time in anime fandom when we were blessed with just a lot of streaming, a lot of piracy, um, a lot of fan, the fan sub community was at its peak at this point, because like, this was before we had simulcast streaming. Yeah. There was no like Crunchyroll or like whatever, bringing yeah. shit to like well, both sides Roll, like at the same time. Right. Yeah. Crunchyroll was like in its nascent stages at that point. Yeah. And like people were still doing batch torrents of like week, week to week uh, translations you got to remember this is 2004. So we were, I'm trying to think like how else to contextualize this kind of stuff. We were still buying CDs, man. Like Napster just Ooh. happened, yeah. right? Like DVDs and DVDs uh, were new. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I, I have a DVD version of perfect blue and Tokyo Godfathers, if I'm not mistaken. And so, yeah. Is there not a paprika DVD? In oh, there is. Absolutely. Stuff? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's among my stuff, but like, yeah. Either way, Paul, so tell me in hmm, in as succinct a matter as possible, the 13 episodes of Paranoia Agent, what were what were we doing for that? <laughs> okay. So we were watching a lie turn into a catastrophe for 13 episodes. And a lie bred from guilt turn into a near apocalypse. So we start with our designer. So Sukiko Sagi is a mascot designer in Japan. I don't know if you guys, it's a different beast here. Like we have mascots in North America, but they have their own like series, like Mickey Mouse, Bugs Bunny, Pikachu is Japanese, but like is attached to like a very particular series. Whereas there are some mascots who just exist to get put on uh, Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty. Exactly. Hello Kitty is the quintessential mascot for the sake of having a mascot to put on shit to sell to kids. Yeah. Madomi is, uh, was Soggy's invention in Paranoia Agent. The, a, a pink, cute pink dog with an absurdly large head and big creepy eyes. Mm-hmm. And Maromi was a runaway hit, and she everyone is expecting her to come up with the next big mascot. And she is having writer's block, or I guess creative block of some creative kind. Block, yeah. Creative block. And she just can't do it. And she is very suddenly and conveniently attacked by someone that she can't really describe, but she kind of sketches out like maybe a young boy on rollerblades with gold metallic bat that has assaulted her and hit her on the leg. Crooked bat. A crooked bat, yes. Yeah. And the police don't believe her at all and are basically saying, yeah, she clearly tried to get out of this, uh, this situation she was in by faking an attack. But then... The reporter that is following her on his story, the creepy-ass frog-looking dude named Akio, he ends up getting attacked by the same child on roller skates, roller blades, and with the same bat. And suddenly, they have a serial assaulter in this 
uh, neighborhood. The rollerblades really like date this like to the like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, interestingly, yeah, I didn't bad. think about that, but I was like, oh my god, rollerblades! I hadn't thought about rollerblades in decades. So. Yeah. So this character who in Japan is called Shonen Bato, named Lil Slugger in North America, starts terrorizing this neighborhood of Tokyo, and each episode follows a different character as Shonen Bat somehow saves them by assaulting them and saves them from whatever predicament they have backed themselves into. And it gets fucking weirder from there. And that's just like the first four or five episodes before the shit really starts hitting the fan. Yeah. So yeah, it spirals into a psychological ghost story. It was a goddamn experience. I'll tell you that much. Like, yeah. it, it, there's elements in this, and it's hard to like summarize because it does, it's one of those. It's a mind trippy kind of David Lynchian kind of event. So you have you have to watch it. And like, if you haven't, there's almost no point in like listening to our conversation about it because like it's so dense and like up its own butt and like orboracy that it's hard to even have a conversation. I was sitting here trying to write notes about it today or yesterday or whatever, and I was like. I don't know. I don't know what any <laughs> of this was about. It's just a bunch of sad people who have psychologically manifested a demon child who assaults them to take away their guilt for existing. I guess it's very grim. Some of them, like, yeah. It's very dire. Like and like, or sorry, dour. I, sh- I guess it's the word I'm looking for, not dire. I mean, literally oh, dire for some of the characters. Yeah, but it's like it's such a dour and like. Before we get too far, can we talk about the fucking opening credits? Ah, uh, yes. So, collaborators, Susumu Hirasawa is a Japanese musician who worked with with Satoshi Kon. We will link, hopefully it's on YouTube where we can just put the opening credits up. Uh, like, you have to sit and watch, just watch the opening. If you can watch the opening and closing credits, because they're very, like, they're very weird. Either way, it's like how to describe the opening credits it's basically like it opens on the lead character sagi right is her yeah sagi yeah sukiko sagi standing on the edge of a building in a torrential rainstorm laughing like the and the imagery is like she's about to step off basically and then it cuts to the next character who's like the reporter who was following her around that paul described laughing in the middle of a smoking pile of ruins like a building that has been blown out and then it cuts to a couple of kids who are also part of the plot and they are standing in the middle of their school and like burning corpses are around them and shit like that. And like, but they're all laughing is the weird part. Like the characters are staring into the camera laughing while this is happening. And the happiest Japanese pop song I've ever heard in my entire life is playing over top of it. Even though the lyrics are like, if you're reading the subtitle, the lyrics are the grimmest shit. It's like, it's like cannibal corpse lyrics sung to a Japanese pop song commercial, like, jingle almost and it's like it's it's so weird it is so fucking weird yeah so the susumu hirasawa is a like maximalist electronic musician and like his pro tools were probably maxed out on these tracks man it's like there's so many elements musical elements going on and i would i couldn't call it pop because like this wouldn't be pop even in japan but it's so like 
weirdly uplifting while still being about, you know, the apocalypse, about mushroom clouds, about all kinds of horrible things. It's almost like a song that's screaming happily into the void. Like, it's beyond joy. It's like a manic fantasia. And that's basically what the series is, is like a fantasia of, like, the feelings beyond grief because you've gotten, like, you've gone so insane from the reality of shit that it's just yeah. like, this is what happens. Let's talk about some of the characters that we meet throughout the show. Cause there's like a lot of the story of like the show is told after the first four episodes, like we get the, you get the kind of like ground level, like this is what's going on. And we've met Soggy and the two police detectives who are following her around and finding out people who lived or like saw the assault and all this other stuff, like investigating what happened. We meet a bunch of other characters that like different Twilight Zone kind of stories are told via other characters, right? And like yeah. there's the two detectives, detectives, Ikari and Maniwa. Maniwa, yeah. Like who's the younger guy and like uh the the older guy is Ikari. And he becomes more prominent as the show, like it goes more important as the show goes on. Because at first he just shows up as like a cop mm-hmm. and you don't get the impression that he's gonna be like a main character, and then he kind of becomes like the second lead of the show by the end of it. Basically. Yeah. And this is something that if you remember from Paprika, yeah, he likes doing this before. Yeah, yeah, he likes doing this a lot. Yeah, I was going to comment on that because the the cops in Satoshi Khan things tend to ground. He's very like it's very much his point of view character. I would say <laughs> he likes the the hard boiled detective trope too. Eh, like the mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt in Seven kind of cop detective trope thing like there's always like the pair like you know the partners or whatever like the Mulder and scully kind of bitching at each other kind of thing going on yeah he likes going to that trope a lot which is i mean fine it's cool but yeah he does it in millennium actress too except instead of detectives it's like the director and his assistant um trying to get to the truth of their subject's story and it operates in a similar way where they're going through her mentality her entire psyche is like they're like they they become part of the narrative to kind of sort things out. So we can, we have something to latch onto. It's a narrative device that like comes from noir too, actually, mm, like absolutely. like the the pair of detectives kind of thing, which is interesting. Yeah. It's, I mean, it goes back to Sherlock Holmes, even actually. Yeah, now that I think about it, but I would say that paranoia does offer a paranoia agent offers a twist, even for uh, yeah, yeah. Satoshi Khan's. Uh, behalf it is a little bit like weirder than i mean like he he plays he plays with it but he does like he goes back to his archetypes Mm -hmm. for every everything kind of thing yeah so those are like the like that's kind of the main cast is like the is the two cops and like the lead woman right like yeah and then like the dog and like so the lead also can speak to her dog so she has a maromi doll that is also like I'm pretty sure she's schizophrenic and is animating it in her brain, but the dog animates and talks to her and like comforts her and stuff like that. Or um, straight up forces her to like, or enables her. And, yeah. It's yeah. pretty evil too. And sometimes, and then, yeah. So like, that's kind of like the whole premise of the show is basically these two cops trying to investigate her faking it and like how this entity has come to be. Because what ends up happening is, yeah, every time somebody comes up against, like, they come up to their personal limit, or I guess, how do they describe it? What's the word they keep using? Uh-huh. Like, they're about to have a nervous breakdown, basically. Like, they've reached their limit in terms yeah. of, like, pers- like what they can take stress-wise or whatever. Like, they're stressed out, like, anxiety or whatever. Yeah. 
And then this Shonen Bat character, I'm going to call him Shonen Bat, not yeah. Slugger, because I watched, I've watched it with subs. Yeah. Shonen Bat shows up and assaults them. And for some reason, that like alleviates their guilt or stress about whatever they were stressed out of before. Although it doesn't always work out. Because there's the one with the kid where the kid's like, kind of looks like he dresses like Shonen Bat, but he's like the perfect anime kid, like yeah. that annoying kid that's in every anime. But it turns out he's actually kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. And like ends yeah. up getting accused of being shown in back because he kind of dresses like him and then like fight like starts accusing his best friend of like his lying rival. about his yeah. right is it his rival or are they his friends? rival like, it's, it's no, they're not friends yeah it's so weird but yeah, it's his rival for like the class presidency and this kid thinks he's the most popular kid in the class but as soon as he finds out like everybody finds out that he he may be shown in bat they all turn on him and he's like a paranoid little piece of shit like he turns into a paranoid even more paranoid little piece of shit and like accuses his rival of worse and worse things and then shonen bat assaults both of them mm-hmm. and like that's the kind of like where that story gets left until like kind of a couple episodes later and then we like what is the next episode after that one that's There's the, the escort the, tu- the escort the tutor who uh she has um dissociative identity disorder and yeah. by day she is a mild-mannered university Associate professor, I think. And... It, says, it says tutor and researcher at the university on the Wikipedia page yeah. or on the uh, TV Tropes page. And when she associates, uh, disassociates, she is a call girl yeah, named escort. Maria. And Maria is very pissed off at Harumi for trying to for Harumi trying to take control of her life and get married to a very boring professor man. And he is very it, boring, also. Yeah. Yeah. And she tries to, her escort self tries to ruin the life of her real self, which arguably they're, they're both arguing over who is the, the real owner of the body at that point. Yeah. yeah. And it's quite, the, the, this is probably one of the scariest episodes. I find it. It was the best episode of the show by a long shot. Like, this was, was my favorite. Like this was that episode. I, I watched it twice. Like I, I was like when it was done, I sat down and like flipped it back. I was like, I'm gonna watch that again because that was dope as shit. Like it was, the visuals and like the psychology of it and like the flip back and forth. Like whoever wrote this script on this, some of the cuts back and forth between the two characters are like legit some of the best shit I've ever seen yeah. in this kind of media. And like you have to see this shit. Like that that episode in particular made this uh they're all like 20, like 30 minute episodes basically. That made this six hours like that episode made it totally fucking worth it. Like I yeah. was so on board for that one. That was so well done. Yeah, I think that's episode five. I want to say four, four or five. five. Four yeah. or five. Yeah, or five. No, maybe five or six because they do the kid first, right? Like because yeah, she's the, the, the kid's kid. tutor. Yeah, because she's the kid's tutor. Yeah, yeah. That was dope. And then like the what? What? What other stories is there? There's another one. There's the little girl. There's the little girl who, so there's the police officer who catches the imposter little slugger because there's a copycat yeah. who's the, actually the one who beat up the fat kid, the rival of the yeah. piece of shit kid. And he gets caught by a police officer who is also one of Maria's clients and yeah. who is also videotaping his young daughter getting dressed because he's also a pedophile fucking monster piece of shit yeah just this uh police officer is the worst human and he's in trouble with the mob um and deserves everything he gets but the way that it's framed you almost start to feel bad for him at the beginning and then you realize that he has not just earned what he got 
getting cigarettes put out on his forehead, but probably deserved so much worse as the series progresses. Yeah, so his daughter is also one of the point of view characters about halfway through the series. And then there's also the woman, the one of the neighbor women who wants to be part of the Shonen Bat gossip mill. And she finally gets her chance when she sees one of his victims. There's also the woman who is dying and Shonen Bat confronts her and he she stops him dead in his tracks by being ready for his arrival. Yeah. Which was one another one of my favorite episodes. There's like I was gonna say that's the, the other like standout episode is that one where the cop's wife who is sick kind of talks Shonen Bat like she like psychologically attacks Shonen Bat kind of thing. Yeah. And like takes him down a peg basically. Like this and that's in like the penultimate episode yeah and there's also a weird side story oh the suicides the suicides yeah Yeah. so three internet chat buddies end up meeting in real life because they've been planning to commit suicide kamome fuyubachi and zebra zebra and they all want to kill themselves but fuyubachi and zebra are full-grown men and kamome is a fucking child like an actual little girl who's like eight or nine years old yeah and they keep trying to not let her die but at some point in the episode we don't even realize that they have successfully killed themselves at some point and at the end you realize that they have they're all three of them are already dead and they witness the only real connection they have is that they witness Shonen Bat letting loose on an entire hotel. Yeah. And it's quite a weird tangent, but I really liked it. That was a weird episode. That was, it was a, like, it was kind of entertaining. Like, in like the grimmest, like, blackest of the black humor kind of ways. Yeah. They keep failing to kill themselves. Yeah. Like, they keep miserably the failing to kill themselves. And then eventually you're like, why are they all so happy? And you realize, oh, wait, they actually did it. They killed themselves at one point. I ended up having to go back and like try to figure out which one it was. You know what I yeah. mean? Like kind of figuring out what happened. I think it was the house collapsing in on them that yeah, yeah, ended yeah, up killing absolutely. them. Yeah. But the scene where the branch breaks when they all three of them are trying to hang themselves. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Yeah. Like good physical comedy from an animated show is kind of like a difficult thing to do. And like th- that scene actually. And, and again, like in the most gallows humor, like literally gallows humor way possible, it's very, very funny that that episode uh, in a very dark, dark way. Yeah. Uh, and I think the next episode is the pedophile episode, too, right? Like they do the, yeah. the comedy suicide episode. And then it's like, hey, this little girl is being molested by her dad. Yay. Oh, well, not God. yay, obviously, but like, it's fuck, funny. here's here, here we go. Enjoy this half an hour of entertainment or quote unquote entertainment. Yeah. And that's. Like I think that and the, yeah, so and all these characters kind of tie into a story about like Shonen Bat basically just like feeding on the guilt and anxiety of the population of Tokyo until he becomes like a generic anime evil cloud. Yeah. That was my biggest problem with the end of this, where like he just turns into like it turns into a generic anime ending where he's like an evil cloud that has to get kind of fought back by willpower or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Sukiko has to come to terms with what she's done, what she's created. Yeah. Yeah. And come to terms with her childhood guilt because we find out. But like she, that means she's created another character to get rich off. This, my whole problem with this is that the entire time Shonen Bat is the character she gets rich off of again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Next. Yeah. 
she invented it. So like he, he's another mascot. He has, she's already answered her own problem. Yeah. Like literally her subconscious answered her own problem for her at yeah. the beginning of the show. Like all of this is just her paranoia and anxiety and stuff. She solved her own problem already within three minutes of the show starting. That's yeah. what like at the end of it, I was like, wait, she fucking solved her own problem at the beginning of the show yeah. because she created the most popular character in Japan right now. Yeah. Right. He's literally the most popular fictional character they've got going. Everybody's telling stories about this guy. She invented him. Yeah. Because she wanted to get out of inventing him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Stone brain just splatters across the it, wall. You know, yeah. Like. Yeah. The, the irony is so thick. And oh, God. It's, it's genius, though. But it's so good. Good storytelling. This guy was yeah. such a good fucking writer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. such a good. Uh, I love it when, like, writers get me. That's what I like. When writers get me and they do shit like that, I'm like, oh, you, you prick. She invented yeah. all this to, to be, oh. Yeah. Oh. And to hide That's from agitating. her childhood guilt about causing the death of her childhood dog. Yeah. By having menstrual cramps, to be fair. Like, it, it's not like she, they make it sound like she fucking, like, threw the fucking dog in front of traffic. She was having cramps and, like, let go of the leash. Now, I was sad because I don't like watching puppies die. But at the same time, I was like, Man, the dad was kind of a dick, you know? Which I guess is kind of the point, right? Like, he goes out of his way to kind of... She drives herself so crazy about it that he has to kind of, like, apologize by going out and, like, looking for the Shonen back characters she's created, even as a yeah. child kind of thing, because he realized he's been too hard on her and stuff. I thought it's all very well done. Yeah. It's just really weird. And, like, I don't know who, like, aside from you and I, watches this and is like, this is good. <laughs> I, I, well... I watched most of it with Ji-hoon, and he was really getting into it. Oh, um, yeah. Your film editing film major snob boyfriend? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We may as well just have him on the episode. He and I could do fucking film theory bullshit against yeah. each other for the next half an hour. I well, mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to talk there's about. There's a lot in, there, right? In regard so. to film theory, film language, and oh my god, yeah. there's so much. But we're not. this is not a theory show. So, oh, God yeah, no. let's, let, I don't yeah. have time for that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What else, what else do you think we should be talking about here? Like I, it's, it's kind of your baby. You're the one who brought this to me. Uh, well, that's a question. Why, why in the hot fuck would you give your dog loving brother a show where a puppy dies as the inciting incident? Why would you be do that to me when you know, I love my baby. I love my puppies. Because I know you like Twin Peaks, and I knew there was something about you said like let's do an anime series, and I was like I there are two I did not as a matter of fact I did not I said I am open to whatever you want to do, and you said anime because you always say anime. Well, okay, so it was going to be a thirteen episode anime series regardless, and yeah. I had to choose. And right off the top of my head, something popped in my head. It was Serial Experiments Lane and Paranoia Agent. These two series, just because of the subject matter, feel like they are kind of in your wheelhouse only because of like... I watch too much weird shit like David Lynch. Yes. Lane is a a cyberpunk classic. And we just did Ghost in the Shell. And like they are... Like Lane is much more psycho horror than Ghost in the Shell is more straight up action. We'll do it next time. Yeah, do it next time. I think you'll really like it though. It's very, very nineties. Probably, I really like this one. I'm totally gonna recommend that everybody go watch this one. This is fucking. Yeah. 
this was really good too. I mean, you got to be into this like David Lynchy kind of like craziness, but like, yeah. Uh, if you're into that, like, you know, David Lynch slash, uh, I'm trying to think of the other guy, so I don't just say Lynch over and over Hitchcock. again. Hitchcock. Uh, no, what I was thinking about um, the fly guy, Cronenberg. Oh, oh yeah, Cronenberg. Like Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah. So another reason that I wanted to bring this up is like, so nowadays, because of like things like the anti-work movement and there's something millennials ruining everything is that what we're, we're doing everything yeah so sagi is a product of an industry and a culture a consumer culture that doesn't value her they value her ideas yeah they want to suck her dry and this is a good glimpse into asian work culture particularly i found it very interesting because it's like you literally have to be beaten near to death to be able to get out of work in Asian culture. Like it literally, there's truly no escape unless there's an outside force that you can point to and say, this happened and I can't come into work and I will not be able to fulfill my obligation to you. Like Tsukiko has to manifest this through, I like psychological magic, I guess, in order to say, instead of saying I can't meet my deadline because I don't have any ideas, this is what she has to resort to because like she just has to meet everyone's expectations. And I found I can relate to that on such a powerful level, you know, like I think that work culture in general forces us to like i haven't called in sick to work in seven years i have been working as a oh, teacher yeah. I haven't called in sick to work in seven years because the work culture creates an environment where if you call in sick your co-workers suffer because they have to do your work especially as a teacher there's no like subs on hand here in korea doesn't work that way especially for english language teachers it's just like you could get a substitute teacher but it's like you have to go on the facebook group and you have to find someone who is on an f2 visa and you have to pay them out of your own pocket and it's like a huge thing so when you are so physically ill that you can't go to work you have to be like puking your guts out or bleeding out of your eyes and that's what paranoia agent reminds me of that feeling of I feel trapped in my work culture life because they've the system is set up for me to feel trapped to know that I the the trap is there and like you can't I can't just not work because like I would lose my visa and then I'd have to move back to Canada and then I wouldn't have a job and I would be away from Jihoon for as long as he as long as it took for him to get a Canadian visa and like when i was thinking about paranoia and i was like yeah it's still very relevant probably even more relevant 17 years on than it was when it was first as a as a active uh, like creative who makes his living doing like that kind of work like creative work uh, it it definitely struck a chord with me as well yeah like having like those deadlines and stuff like that and sometimes you just don't have an idea like i was doing work for a group like an, uh, an animation group and they would give me stuff to do 
And I remember it was like the fourth or fifth like week in a row I'd been doing something for them. And I was never doing something in my own style or a style that I'd come up with. It was always like, hey, we like this. Can you make all your, all the pieces we ask you for look like this person's style? So I was aping somebody else's style. And I was just like, I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And mm-hmm. like, but there's no way like, out. Well, no, so what I ended up, I, well, yeah, exactly. Right. So I ended up losing the gig because like, I just, I, I turned in work that was just like, they weren't happy with. I wasn't happy with it, but I, just, I didn't know where to go with it. So I was like, here, this is what I did. Call it a day, I guess, you know, and then like the whole job kind of fell apart. But I'm like, I, I felt that pretty, like, particularly at that point, like her plight was familiar to me, I guess. Yeah. And her knowing that, I, like, you would empathize with Sukiko, it seemed normal, like, rational that you would see the connection with all the other characters with Shonen Bat. Like, all of them reach their own point in a particular way. Like, even if you fucking hate a lot of the characters, like... And, like, I didn't. I actually was, like, really into the drama of everybody's stuff in this. Like, I was kind of, like... Like, when they get they get into the really, like, super dark pedophile stuff, I'm not, like, as happy to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but it is intriguing. It's just... It was interesting. Horrifying. Uh, yeah, it was just, just, like, really fucking gross. But like like that like the episode about the 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 girl who's dissociative and like like spends half her time as an escort and shit. I was like, this is really good. Like it's really well written. Like mm-hmm. everything's very balanced. Like you don't really get the feeling that one or the other is like in the wrong or the right. Really, it's just like this is a fucked up situation that these two entities, I guess, are in. I don't know how to describe it at that point when it's like two personalities inhabiting the same body. Is it? I guess they're just. I don't know. Anyway, it was weird. I was like, I like, and like, yeah, no, her plight in particular was a nice, like, latch on point for me. Yeah. So, like, I could kind of, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I know that. I know just as a creative, you know that, like, ah, shit, I need to do something. And it requires me to do this specific muscle, like, use this specific muscle that sometimes Mm -hmm. just doesn't want to fucking work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, and sometimes you got to force it to work. And I understand that. Trust me, nobody knows that better than I do. But yeah. sometimes it's really difficult to force it. So there you go. Yeah. And, what are like, we talking about? Phrasing? <laughs> phrasing. Uh, forcing muscles. Got to force the yeah, muscle. Exactly. Yeah. I just, that helplessness. And the fact that this series really like derives such a weird conclusion to these very personal things, like this weird mythology that like exists in all of the characters' heads that somehow mesh very well together. There's the episode where they are questioning the copycat and they go in full Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah, because we haven't talked about like the other cop. So not the cop whose wife kind of talks Shonen Bat down. And then, because that cop, the uh, the older of the two police detectives, yeah, ends up yeah. also kind of being like uh, like weird kind of father figure for the lead like for the the soggy character as well yeah yeah but like his partner goes fucking nuts while yeah. all this stuff is going on and starts to believe so the the copycat is having a delusion that he thinks that all of this is like a dungeons and dragons s like like Zel- legend of zelda as rpg where he's blink basically mm-hmm. and then the the other police detective the younger of the two starts to believe and like go crazy and fall into the same kind of delusional pattern as the, that guy who kills himself. Shonen Bat forces him to kill himself at some point in the cell. Right. Well, we like Shonen Bat, they see Shonen Bat 
and the copycat is in the cell, and then yeah. Shaman Bat rollerblades into into the wall, and they yeah. see him, but they don't know where the fuck he went because he's not really real. And yeah, because um, they touch the wall afterwards. You're like, oh, he skated into a wall. That's crazy. Yeah, and the the copycat is uh, has been plastered onto the ground. Yeah, and yeah, so Maniwa, the the younger detective starts to lose his mind and he's not wrong like when he actually says like shonen bat is can manifest himself to anybody um as long as they've hit their their breaking point he's absolutely got it 100 correct it's just that it can't possibly be true in the mundane world that they believe that they live in like the shonen bat being a supernatural force manifested by people's psyches can't possibly be the thing because that's an interesting thing too because like the characters do not like they they very much believe that they're in the real world like they don't live in an anime you know what i mean they i mean they do live in an anime because eventually like akira happens at the end of this also but ever but but he's not the like the the fantasy that fantasy world isn't the only fantasy world that we get sucked into as we go along like we have the the ghosts of those three suicide victims we have yeah. and the, in the last episode that creepy paper town the two dimensional paper town oh, that yeah. the older detective uh, starts creates. like delusional like living wanting to live in or whatever yeah because he wants to, the older detective wants a physical uh, storybook detective resolution to a psychological and therapeutic problem and yeah. so he's trying to bang bang shoot him up and be the the detective but really the answer was never going to be that to begin with no. and uh because they that's all he really understood he gets stuck into this two-dimensional delusion which i find which was by the way beautifully animated and if you're not even if you're yeah. not into anime but you like yeah. animation watch the final episode or this, or the, and the episode before that, when the the yeah. world manifests itself as this, oh, it's cool. It's cool, cool to look at. Fucking, this whole series is pretty cool to look at. This is on TV budget, and they managed to make a very, very. And that's something to like say. Also, like this does not look like. I mean, like North Americans will have their own idea of what like a you know daytime TV show or like animated show would look like, but like this is like as well animated as anything we've talked about probably so far yeah in terms of like for something that was like a week-to-week animation project basically like a tv animation project yeah. is beautifully animated yeah i mean not to the like the level of like paprika, paprika where it's just no. like well paprika was is was fucking insane yeah the, like the the amount of work that went into a single cell of paprika is yeah nuts so it just um, yeah but, but no it's like this this is a, a very well like it's a a very well animated like good looking show too like its production animation production design is very good the animation's pretty fluid for like what kind for of the show most it is part. i mean it's, yeah there's it some tank but it's a tv tank. show yeah, yeah. It's, it's an animated tv show there's gonna be some like you know you can't fucking spend 100 hours on everything like you yeah gotta get these frames out eventually so and it was better than a lot of anime series that are getting released now in the um in the the same vein as video games getting launched before they're finished anime series getting released and then fixed in the blu-ray version which is yeah so aggravating but it exists yeah. like there's a lot of one of my favorite series Quella magi madoka magica the the animation mistakes in that series actually spawned a 4chan comic book meme 
of itself called Maduka Maguka. And like, cause all the character models when they were, it went off model and it was often we, this, people turned it into its own thing. So, but Paranoia Agent only, I, as I was watching it, there was only like one or two scenes that were egregiously like this was clearly animated on the lowest possible budget ever. And that was, I can even remember when it was, because it was when Kamome in the the suicide episode, she starts crying and the frame oh, just like yeah. sticks on her for some reason and it's barely moving. And you're just like, oh man, they just ran out of budget on this one, didn't they? They ran out of time or something. Or they just didn't care, like just yeah, stopped caring. I mean, that is the least consequential episode of the entire series, potentially, yeah. so... But it was, I thought it was cute. And it has the one like outwardly queer character in Zebra because in his locket um, is his gay lover. So there yeah. is, I was like, yay, Zebra, but also you're dead. So that sucks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Fair gays. gays. Yeah. Cool. So like, what else do we want to talk about? I mean, you got, we, I mean, we could be sitting here talking about this like per episode, like, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot. In there's here. a lot. And I don't, I, I do, we could just generally say it's cool. I mean, like, everything about the atmosphere of this show, though, I really want to talk about the atmosphere, because... Well, that's, and that's where, like, I come in with the David Lynch, because it's, that's the, like, that's what keyed me into Twin Peaks. Like, I started thinking about, like, Mulholland Drive, and, like, mm-hmm. the Lynchian yeah. kind of, like, everything feels off from, like, the jump kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. of this. Like, yeah. it's very surreal. Even when you're in the real world, it feels very detached and kind of clinical. It's... Yeah, like it's it's very like it's almost like I'm trying to think of what the word it's almost like the alienation is palpable yeah. on the frames. Like they were painting alienation on the frames themselves, like as a color yeah. almost. Yeah, you can they're... feel it's got that like radiohead paranoia vibe coming off of it. Yeah. Just from like looking at it. Yeah. And from and from the the sound design. The too. sound like... design also, yeah. I was just thinking like, wait, now I've said it's it's visual, but like there's also like a lot of repetitive droney noises that kind of happen throughout it to kind of like are always going to set you off like put you on on edge from the very opening scene when all those people on the cell phones are talking over each other and they're all complaining about something at work or like how are you talking about the end or the beginning but ah, exactly or Um, is it has it all and we were just talking about Battlestar Galactica. Has this all happened before? And will it all happen again? It will happen again, but at least the characters that are involved will hopefully take responsibility for their actions. At least that's what yeah. the implication is. Yeah. But yeah. It's interesting they go for the go for the matrix, like this has happened before, this will happen again. 2004 is also like just as Battlestar had started, I think, right? Was that 2003 Battlestar Galactica had started? Yeah, about that. I think so. So yeah. it's pro- probably in somebody's brain that that said this had been said yeah at that point so yeah. i don't know that's interesting yeah it's very cyclical but also the sound design those title cards i want it's just you know what it is sorry before we go any further it's just i always find it interesting because like we we tend to talk about this japanese stuff as if it's like monocultured and like locked away on an island and like they just do their own thing like it's not affected by the rest of the world but then when we like when we sit here and look at it i'm like man they really do like all our media also you know what i mean like they go up but they glom onto different stuff from it than yeah. we do also yeah. you know what i mean like the stuff that they glom onto from the Matrix is more the paranoia, like more the agitated, like new weird stuff that I like about the Matrix, not the mm-hmm. oh cool Keanu Reeves kung fu bang bang, yeah. Carrie Ann Moss in tight leather pants kung fu bang bang stuff that like yeah. the North American audience gets like hung up on. 
Well, I, that, that's weird that you say that because as I was watching Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 2. Mm-hmm, which is good. But, has but for such, a completely different reason, yeah. Yeah, but the anime influence on that series yes. was insane. And there was one thing in particular that really got me. And so there's Skeletor at the end. Spoilers for Masters of the Universe Revelations, I guess. But like Skeletor pulls out a laser scythe, which is the weapon of choice of Fate Testarossa from Magical Girl Lyrical Nanoha. And the reason I say this is because he uses it in the exact same way, oh, yeah. and the animators clearly knew oh, what yeah. the fuck they were doing. Also, it's a Gundam thing, like that, the Gundam Death Scythe. But, yeah. like, Even I, I was that. like, holy shit, that's Fate Testarossa, and yeah. that is Bardish. And, like, they are just fully homage. I'm going to say homaging. They are homaging that, not ripping it off, homaging for sure. And so I was just like, damn. So yeah, I think that the way that things and the way that we borrow things from each other's cultures is very interesting and different. But yeah, the way that, because the way that Satoshi Kon does the hard-boiled detective story is very... Like, yeah, I mean, like that's, but that's even like that's a very like anime thing to do too, right? Like, yeah. I actually don't have any anime. Uh, Kojima, like from Metal Gear, loves that trope. Remember Snatcher? Mm-hmm. Like, he went right to that trope for his follow up games. Like, immediately goes to the horrible detective and the and the cyberpunk noir thing, right? Like, it's just yeah, it's yeah. like it's ingrained in their culture to go right to that kind of stuff. Oh my god! Uh, there's so even there's even a hard boiled detective in the Pokemon series. I know that, but like Looker, <laughs> there's the Looker. He, I, that, he's, I, I actually remember now. Like, I remember that from you watching it. So yeah, it, like who is this random fucking detective in the Pokemon series who has nothing to do with anything else in the story? Is just yeah, they really love. I mean, fuck, they have, they have a Detective Pikachu, for fuck's sakes, that wears yes, the hat. They do. Like, he uh, wears yeah. the Deerstalker hat, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. he, like, talk about the original Harbaugh Detective. Like, Holmes himself, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that guy was insane for solving crimes. I, like, mean, literally insane for solving crimes. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, anyway, anyway, Paranoia yeah. Agent. Yeah, let's wrap this up so we can get <laughs> keep a, this episode yeah, manageable. Yeah. I just want to, I don't even know how to wrap this up other than to say, like, if you're listening to this, you have to take a chance on this series. If you've made it through, like, 50 minutes of us talking about this, I think you probably owe yourself, like, the the six hours it'll take you to get through these 13 episodes. It's not, like, it's not a super, what am I going to say? It sits real nice in two nights, basically. You can watch it in kind of two sittings. It is, like, yes, it is dour, but I don't think it's so heavy that, like, you can't get through it kind of thing. Like, it's not. Uh, it's not fucking Requiem for a Dream or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. that level of, like, oh, my God, oppressive kind of thing. Yeah. It's just got, like, that nice, like, kind of new weird level of, like, paranoia to it. Like, it's almost an X-Files-y kind of, like, Twin Peaks level of paranoia to it that, like, mm-hmm. I'm on board for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I'm always talking about control. There was some, like, there was some control to this as well. Yeah. There's so. uh, we didn't talk about either the old lady or the old man in the series. The old man who's writing the uh, yeah. equations on the, and then Maniwa becomes the next old man in yeah. the cycle of this uh, insanity. That was neat to me. Yeah. Was that? And we didn't even talk about like that weird episode where it was like they totally. It's because this is like pre meme culture. They use the the stereotype of like the gossipy women kind of yeah. thing to yeah. tell the story. And like how the story transposes itself, like the telephone game style of storytelling that that yeah. kind of like neighborhood gossip kind of entails, and like how this kind of paranoia subject, like this kind of 
incident, like where there's like this paranormal like person who's kind of like attacking random people, like that kind of environment would foment like more yeah. and more rumor mongering and like yeah, and make the mythology bigger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like a vicious cycle of making like that character become more and more like. And it's the belief thing, right? Like what, what, like eventually is this a Tulpa kind of situation? Like mm-hmm. did her belief in this man force this thing to manifest? Like, it's like the old gods, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. does our belief in whatever in whatever, like American gods, right? Like, yeah. does our belief in Odin mean that there's an Odin? Like that kind of thing is like yeah. the reason why Shonen bad exists is because at first she believed in him. And then all yeah. of a sudden everybody started to believe in him. Yeah, it's like is Sasquatch real? Because if we keep believing in Sasquatch, he's going to show up. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the media picked up on the Shonen Bat story and uh, allowed the mythology loose before the detectives could really quash it. Exactly. And yeah. There and therefore it, be, it gained a life of its own, and so of course the mainstream media is to blame. Well, I mean, like <laughs> at the end of the day, the mainstream media is mostly to blame for everything. Like, so, like, we can just go with that. Yeah. They're a tool of the 1%. We should tear it down. Rage Against yeah. the Machine, kids. Rage Against the Machine. As, as I was saying about the anti-work movement, the uh, the mainstream media sure does love a narrative where it's the workers who are lazy rather than the employers, employers. who are exploiting the workers yeah. and giving them shit pay for difficult work. I remember like remember the maybe two weeks where people were like, people who work cashier jobs are the real heroes because they have to be on the front lines of COVID. And that certainly didn't last. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Go watch Paranoia Agent. It's uh, absolutely yeah. It's a great. I don't know how to like wrap that up in terms of like a show like we watch. I would absolutely recommend it. Like I'm not going to give it a rating or a review or whatever because I would give it like a nine if I was going to. Yeah, it's just really good. It's an interesting and an interesting diversion in our a very Marvel saturated. TV watching, especially like on this podcast, it's an uh, for me in particular. It was kind of a nice sojourn away from like mainstream movie going, having to hate everything that I watch or not having to. I think I intentionally go into like every movie we watch going into hate it. But the last batch of movies have not been to my taste, right? Like we've had, like I didn't mm-hmm. like Dune, Ghostbusters was a little uneven. I wasn't even that big a fan of Eternals. Like a Marvel movie finally kind of like blah blah me. So. It was nice to kind of do something different. And I always like when Paul makes me watch this weird anime shit because it always ends up that like he knows how to he basically knows how to pick media to feed my brain really mm-hmm. well because, you know, I mean, he's my little brother. He knows the kind of shit I like and yeah. tends to tailor his choices to entertain me. But exactly. he always comes up with good stuff. So, like, if you like the kind of stuff that Paul and I are always harping on about all that, this new weird Man, there's there's probably some Cthulhu reference in here that we missed. We could probably come back to. There's some like Lovecraftian horse shit, like mm. cosmic horror stuff that's in here too. We should do some of that at some point when it's just you and I on an episode. Some something like real like Lovecraftian kind of like books, like books. What's a book? A short stories. We could do like. We could do H.P. Lovecraft. I have his full collection in my yeah, no, on my bookcase. I, I always so. feel weird about reading his stuff, like promoting his shit. He's so fucking like violently racist. Yeah, at this he point, did. like that that but... uh, that cosmic horror shit. Like he's like, oh, oh God, we could so do good, Lovecraft man. County. I mean, that's true. Like, we, they can't. Did you see the story time. about that? Did you see the story about that? Where like no, apparently like part of the, part of the problem they were having on that set was like just a super toxic like on set environment. Also, I did not know and, that. And so HBO was just like, you know what? 
everybody's bitching fuck it kill it i don't want it we don't want it around anymore like that's kind of the story that came out this oh, week that's really that's too that, bad well i mean that means that jonathan majors got freed up for all the marvel stuff Dang. so yeah which is kind of working out for our to our advantage yeah either way yes absolutely guys if you have made it through an hour of us rambling about this please go watch paranoid agent it is excellent not the easiest thing to come across but i'm sure it's probably on like Crunchyroll or something like that you can probably go find it wherever you go find your anime so let's do geek cred and then get out of here. So we're going to recommend something to you. I am just going to come out right off the top and say, like, go fucking watch Hawkeye. Because God, was it fun. Like, it's nice to do. I'm all for these Marvel shows being, like, big and cosmic. Because, like, Loki and WandaVision were a lot of fun and were, like, bigger themed and stuff like that. But I do love my ground level. Just, like, get somebody's head kicked in. Save a dog. There's a weird Eastern European gang that we got to beat the shit out of. That say bro way too much. Like, also, before we go any further, pay Dave Asha or Dave Aya for his fucking work. If you're going to use his posters and his cover designs and his art style to promote your fucking TV show, cut the motherfucker a check. Because, like, you're making mad Disney bank off the look and feel of that Matt Fraction and Dave Aya Hawkeye series that is all his look. Like, he designed mm-hmm. that that look just pay the man because it's god's work it's so good uh no but hawkeye's been really good i'm all on board with jeremy renner i wish Haley steinfeld was not just playing Haley steinfeld but it's better than nothing yeah. so there you go at least we got kate bishop in the mcu so that's yeah, it's like a version of kate bishop I'll, yeah. I'll accept it it's kind of like the way like carol's not really carol in the movies you know what i mean like it's, it doesn't feel like the same character like steven tony felt like steven tony yeah but like Peter and Carol don't feel like Peter and Carol, I guess, is what I'm trying to get I, at. I guess you're, that's fair. And like, cause I love Carol, but like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. either way. Either way. Uh, what, what do you want to recommend everybody uh, go do? I'm going to recommend Masters of the Universe Revelations Part 2 because. Yeah, we're going to come a, back and do a, uh, we're going to come back and do a little mini review next week, Tim yeah. and I, because I like, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. And like that, Mark Hamill fucking, like the monologuing. It's, it is so tropey and it yeah. is so over the top and i really enjoyed all of it it was mm-hmm. like um sarah michelle geller uh did a she's really so great, great job. man just yeah. so great i love her i love her mark hamill and lena Headey fucking stole oh. the show though oh yeah. they just chewed that scenery oh it was so good just oh oh lena Headey should do like way more fucking voice acting she's so good at it like she's, get she's, her in everything yeah like get please. her in everything and like obviously mark hamill is just like god his voice like just yeah. he is the master he like certainly just, veered, he is so fucking good right into joker territory a few oh, yeah. times but yeah. i was like you know i'm not mad at this i am not mad no. because i was like yeah mark hamill just fucking killing it the whole voice cast really brought it the uh the last battle of the last episode was so like over the top anime like, Lord of the Ringsy, like it was Ringsy, a little bit of everything. A yeah. little bit of everything. Lots of like magic and sword combat and just ridiculous over the top nonsense. And I very much enjoyed it. So Masters of the End and a little teaser for season two at the end where they hinted at a future bad guy who you might recognize, especially if you've recently seen the Shira Princesses of Power series. Was it the same logo they used from the Netflix show, or was it? Uh, no, was it, I. It, it was Hordak. Like it the, is Hordak. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
but I don't. I think that they're not going. They're, they're like the princesses of power is its own thing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So I don't think they're going to tie it. I don't, I'm really worried to see. Like, given how well they handled their female characters in this series, I'm not like super worried about sh- the, how they're going to handle Shira. But I'm still a little worried about how they're going to handle Shira. So we'll see. How I'm kind of. I'm curious to see how they go. Like, if they do another season, like if Kev comes back for another year yeah. and does like a Shira season, I think it could be some fun. I think it'd do, be like, really play fun. with that new dynamic. Yeah, that, like that, they kind of left the show. I watched it too. I thought it was really good. Uh, I I will like st- put my stamp of approval on uh, Revelations Part Two. Also, like mm-hmm. it was quite enjoyable. Yeah, go watch that and Princesses of Power. Just go both. Go watch both. They're both great. Fucking baffling to me that they got the He Man show so right and the Transformer show so wrong. Still, like I'm still so like <laughs> crestfallen. Like still so hurt by I, that. I can't believe that because honestly, like the that Transformer show is so. Is as clunky as the robots themselves. Oh, it really is. It really uh. is. How the last thing before we get out of here, and we'll probably we may like talk about this more because like it, it's just fucking all over the place. Have you watched any of this Arcane show? No. What is it? It's a Netflix show, but it's based on League of Legends. But like, just the animation is just oh! blowing everybody's mind. Oh yeah, 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 the League of Legends show. See that? Yeah. That, League of Legends being such a thing here in Korea that it's like it's hard yeah. to escape that particular character who is that like what's her name jinx or something I don't something know. like that i don't know I, either way i just i watched the first two episodes i i really enjoyed it from what i was like kind of watching i don't know anything about the league of legends universe because i'm not a turn-based strategy nerd so that was not my thing yeah. they've got a bunch of different games in that universe now though eh? like it's not just turn-based stuff it's kind of like that there's probably a, a metroidvania i could play in that universe at this point mm. if i went and looked if i wanted to I, I don't, guess. but like I, I could go look. Yeah. Yeah, man. All that shit. Go watch all that shit. That's good yeah. times. It was good stuff. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 279 of Dance Robot Dance. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that from any podcasting app via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you have any thoughts about uh, anything we talked about this week, if you do go watch Paranoia Agent, please send us a message so or like go on Facebook facebook.com slash dance robot dance and like let us know or if we, on twitter uh, at drd underscore podcast or you can hit me up on twitter directly at at m underscore willette or on instagram at mt underscore willette because my social media naming is shit so there you go or you can email us dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com but absolutely do because i would like to hear what other people thought about this show because i'd like to do more of this kind of stuff if people are into it because Fuck, I'm bored of watching these goddamn movies that come out every week. They're just so boring. Anyway, I've been here with Paul, my brother Paul. Thank you for stepping in again. My pleasure. I do love inflicting weird anime on this show. So if you need me in the future, especially with my upcoming vacation. Yeah, when are you off? Well, we'll talk. You know what? We'll talk about it when we get off the, the off the mics here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you. Tim and I will be back next week with something. I don't know what. I think we're going to watch the Matrix movies, but I'm not sure. Good luck with that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching the first one again. Yeah, sure. Not so much the other two. Either way. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye.